Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. So I thank you so much, Pastor Steve and Rowena, for inviting me. We love you guys. And I cried during the worship. It's awesome. And I just felt so moved coming in, seeing the kids. I love those orange rugs, the teenagers out the front. I was like, C3 Southwest Washington has got it going on. Got it going on. It's a blessing to be part of a church family. It's a blessing to be part of a church community. It's a blessing to have amazing pastors. It's a blessing to have an amazing team. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. So I was in the worship. I felt <laughs> I just got a picture of like a, almost like a drone or like I'm above looking down on this part of town, the Washington area, and I felt like God was like highlighting these houses and families in those houses who are going to be part of this church family. So, and then I just felt like, oh, happy days, happy days. <laughs> so that's God's prophetic word to this church. Happy days are ahead for you guys. I feel genuinely excited. I know it's easy to say when you're outside because <laughs> we've been through this church buying process and when you're in it, it's like, oh, what if God's not going to come through for me? <laughs> what are we going to do? I'm going to end up having church under a bridge. But uh, happy days, C3. Happy days. That's what I feel God's got ahead for you guys. So the title of my message today is God is with us. So I felt a little bit like, well, <laughs> I've grown up in church and I went to an amazing youth group. And it was called Revolution Youth. And uh, we had this guest speaker one night come. I don't even remember his name. Years ago. 20-something years ago, <laughs> and uh, he, all, everybody lined up. You know, he was giving prophetic words to people. It was a Sunday night service. You know, they used to go for hours back in the day. And so he was giving prophetic words, and then the last person in the line <laughs> was one of our friends. And it took – and I could just see his weight shifting from side to side, side to side waiting. And then he gave, gave all these specific amazing words to everybody in this long line, and then he comes to the last person – my mate, and he says, God loves you. <laughs> and we just all laughed and we're like, oh, Matt, you waited in line for an hour for that. God loves you. <laughs> so I felt like a little bit like this, God is with us. But I felt when I drove past that sign about at the front of your property, what does it say, living your... Yes. I was like, this is what God wants to say today. So everybody repeat after me. God is with us. Is Turn to your neighbour and say, God is with you. Put your hand on your chest and say, God is with me. <laughs> say, he will never leave me. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. God is good all the time. All the time. So I brought a little picture of my funny little family. <laughs> Throw up. Um... So, you can probably tell, yes, a bunch of characters in that little group, as you can see. Look at Seth's face. Um, so, as you can tell, uh, Seth and I both grew up in Perth, Western Australia. Both our children were born in Australia, actually. And um, a next-door neighbour actually led my dad to the Lord, and I was about 
I don't know how old this little boy was down here, but yeah, about this age, I was like maybe four. And um, immediately we started going to church as a family. And from day dot, I loved church. I loved kids' church. I loved learning about God. I loved, I loved it all. And then um, joined this, um, later on joined an amazing youth group where I met Seth. And then we got married. <laughs> and then we had two children. So I had my son Boaz in 2007. So he's 13. So... I was praying along this morning when you guys were praying for 13-year-old boys. That's my boy. And then um, that little girl who likes to refer to herself as a fashionista, um, she's seven. So we had her in 2013. And in amongst all that little journey, we moved countries a few times as well. So we lived in San Diego for a couple of years, went back to Australia, and then came back here to the Pacific Northwest. So... That's that little story of my family. So the first thing that I wanted to say today was come all this way across the river, slash from Australia, <laughs> to tell you to treasure the moments with your family. Not to rush through them. I feel like um, my son was diagnosed, he's gone now. <laughs> my son was diagnosed with um, autism in 2009 and it was it was a really difficult um, diagnosis, a really difficult time on a, on a, for a number of reasons. So um, I felt like part of it was, you know, when you get this diagnosis, there's a lot of uh, meeting with professionals and you kind of... I was thrown into a world that I knew nothing about, the special needs world. And um, the professionals would say, you know, your son is may never talk and your son may never you know, live a normal life, all the things that they, you get told. Uh, he may never be toilet trained. And I was like, he's two. Like, how do you know these things? But um, part of me felt like, you know, those early years was like, I just, I just want to get to the place where he's talking and then I'll feel happy, better, something, <laughs> you know. Um, or I just, I just want to get to the place where... Um, you know, we get we get access to these services, or this going to happen. And one day, um, Seth and I were lying in bed, and then for the first time ever, our son was four years old, and he had not spoken before this point, and he said, "Good morning, mummy. Good morning, daddy." And we're like, "Oh, did that just happen?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it was kind of surreal, <laughs> and. Um, I just felt like um, the word for uh, our families is not to rush through things, even when they're little. Honestly, I went from a really busy career to, you know, life kind of ground down to, like, when's nap time? <laughs> and when's snack time? And before children, I had... I used to accomplish 100 things in a day. And then I had children, it was like, oh, OK, well, well we've had a snack today. <laughs> and... Maybe I'll take a nap, <laughs> you know. And that seemed to go on for quite a number of years. <laughs> it was like the time, oh, maybe I'll go for a walk around the block today, um, you know, as opposed to accomplish all the amazing things I thought I was doing before. So I just want to encourage you to treasure the moments. That's my powerful word to you today, is not rush, don't rush through it. Treasure the moments. God is with you. God is with your family. Every season is a special time. Even in the difficult times, 
And honestly, those early years when my son was diagnosed with autism, in incredibly difficult in a way that I kind of find hard to even put into words how challenging it was. But even now, you know, thanks to good old Facebook, the memories come up, you know, in your Facebook feed. And I don't look back and think, oh, that, that was a terrible time. I look back and I think, oh, I'm so grateful for my child. I'm so grateful for where God's brought us through, all the things he's taught us, the wonderful people we've met along the way, the fact that God has been with us. <laughs> God has been with us every step of the way. So treasure the moments and I would say even treasure the small things. So just to share a story about Seth because he's not here. Um, you know, when, when we found out I was pregnant with Boaz and we went to the antenatal or prenatal classes, you know, that you go to. And then one part of the class was the pelvic floor exercises. If you don't know what they are, you can look them up on YouTube. <laughs> Um, so the instructor is explaining to everybody what they are and the benefits and then telling everybody how to do pelvic floor exercises. And then the room went really quiet with, you know, 10 or 12 couples and everybody's focusing on doing pelvic floor exercises in the circle. And then my immature husband gets a bad case of the giggles in the dead silence of the pelvic floor moment. So I'm like, just leave the room. So he walks out of the class thinking that if he walks outside the door that nobody's going to hear him. The doors close and then all the couples in the room hear my husband roaring <laughs> with laughter in the parking lot of uh, outside the building. So that's um, 13 years ago and we still have pelvic floor jokes, gags running in our family all these years later and it's just... To say to you, it's not necessarily the big moments. It's the small moments that you can treasure with your family. And these are the precious moments that God gives you. John 10.10 says, I have come that you would have life and life to the full. Psalm 118 says this amplified version. I really love the amplified version. This day in which God saved me, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I like the word rejoice. I think we should bring it back. Say it on a regular basis. Um, God is awesome. He makes the moment special. He is in your moments, big and small. Point number two. How's everybody going? <laughs> Good. Um, one of my favourite things is about God is his ability to redeem. So when Seth and I moved to Portland, Seth was a bit excited because it was an NBA town. And he does like the NBA. And I feel like from the moment that we arrived in Portland, it's kind of been like agonising to watch the Blazers play and then the buzzer beater, Damien Lillard, comes through right at the end with that three-pointer and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just aged 10 years watching that game. This is too stressful. And Seth's like, I knew they were going to win all along. <laughs> so I kind of feel like, Sometimes that's how it feels with God, like 11.59, God's going to come through. <laughs> um, but God, God's power to redeem is one of the most incredible things that should give us hope no, no matter what. Um, one of my favourite books in the Bible is the book of Ruth. I named my son Boaz. So, <laughs> um, so Ruth chapter 1 
Um, well, basically, Naomi and her husband and her two sons moved to Moab, and then Naomi lost her husband and her two sons. And I was like, if you really think about it, like, what an unbelievable tragedy to lose your whole family. Can you even imagine? So um, Ruth and Naomi moved back to Israel and um, in chapter 1, verse 20, um, Naomi, the mother, uh, says, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought me back empty. So I know sometimes <laughs> I've definitely felt like that in my various family situations and just in life in general. Honestly, when COVID happened <laughs> a year ago, it feels like, maybe, yeah, a year ago last week, I was like, that's it, we're screwed. God's brought me all this way. <laughs> I've come all this way from Australia and now COVID is going to shut my church down. We're going under. How are we going to survive this? Literally, that's what I said, Pastor Steve. I see that. <laughs> and that was a year ago. And I just think, look what God did. And I didn't plan for that. I didn't have a plan. And we ended up buying a building during COVID. It's just bananas, really. So, I mean, the story goes with Naomi. I mean, in Chapter 1, she's basically saying, like, I need to change my name because my life is so awful. And then four chapters later, the women are saying to her, after her daughter-in-law Ruth has had baby, Obed, the women are saying to Naomi, four chapters later, praise be to God who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he be famous throughout all of Israel. He will renew your life. He will sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, she loves you and she is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. And Naomi took that child in her arms and cared for him. I mean, it's just, oh, my God. It's like that buzzer beater, you know. Damien Lillard with a three-pointer. It's like, God, look what God can do in, in three little chapters, <laughs> you know. And even in our lives, when we're in it, it feels final. But it's never final because God has the final say. Um. So, um, yeah, Psalm 107, verse 1 and 2. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. So if God's redeemed you in any way, in any circumstance, tell the story. Because God is faithful. And I know every time something bad happens, I think, oh, my gosh, is God going to do it again this time? <laughs> How's God going to do it this time? But God always does in unexpected ways so and you know Ruth is one of my favorite stories but God does it over and over and over again in the Bible Ruth becomes part of the genealogy of Christ her son as does Rahab the prostitute Mary a teenager becomes the mother of Jesus Paul formerly Saul who kills Christians so if you feel bad about something you've done and you think God can't redeem you remember Paul he killed Christians have you killed Christians today probably not <laughs> And God still, not today, <laughs> and God still, I mean, look how God redeemed him. Um, God's signature move is to redeem and restore. It's not for those other people. It's for all of us. God died for all of us and our families. Okay. Last point, number three. Get the God perspective. 
God is with you, and because he's with you, his perspective is available to you. So uh, Seth and I first moved to America in 2008, and we moved to San Diego. And uh, in San Diego, where we lived, um, in Mission Bay, they had um, like a car wash there. And there was a lot of people working at the car wash. So I took my car in, and they you kind of get out and wait, and then the car wash came through. And then my car was parked, and there's probably like 10 or 12 men kind of just standing around. And I walked to my car, and I walked to the side of the car that you go to when you're Australian, <laughs> which is not where the steering wheel is. <laughs> it's on the other side. <laughs> so I kind of like sat in the car, and I was like, oh, I'm in the wrong side of the car. <laughs> so I had to get out and do what Seth and I call the walk of shame. <laughs> when everybody's looking at you like you've lost your freaking mind because you have to go to the other side of the car, the side you're meant to go to when you're in America. And then when I thought about that, I thought that's kind of like um, our perspectives or our thoughts. They kind of just like track automatically, you know, down a certain route and not always the God, hope-filled, redeemed route. <laughs> it's like, you know, like I said, oh, COVID comes, oh, my gosh, the church is over. You know, it's like... You kind of have to stop that natural going, you know, after living in Australia for 38 years of my life, it's just habitual that you go down this track, which is why it's good to learn the Bible, know the Bible, read the Bible, because it helps reroute some of those thought patterns that just keep tracking that way. Um, And then the Bible says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. So there's a difference between how we think and how God thinks. Sometimes it takes a minute for us to get on board with the God thoughts. Um, So I had my son Boaz um, on his due date, (laughs) uh, which was uh, November the 22nd, which apparently only 1% of babies arrive on their due date, which I found out the day I gave Boaz, because every nurse wanted to share that piece of information with you. My son arrived on his due date. Um, And I... With, I used to think, oh, I'm, I'm a pretty tough chick, you know. I can manage a lot and I have, like, a pretty high pain threshold. And then childbirth came along and absolutely kicked my butt. <laughs> and I just thought, okay, I didn't really fly through childbirth. I cried a lot, screamed a lot, and at the end of it all, I just thought, oh, my gosh, like, what just happened? I feel like I just got hit by a train. <laughs> All these images of myself of, like, you know, powering through it was was not my reality. And I actually just... I actually felt truly terrible about myself, to be really honest. I felt like, oh, my gosh, like, that, I was a failure. <laughs> I mean, I gave birth, but, like, that was not cool. The screaming bit, really, Karen? Like, really, Kaz? No. Like, what in the world... And so I kind of just, you know, how you feel about giving birth isn't really something you, something you generally share with the masses. <laughs> it was just kind of an internal feeling of like, oh, I just didn't feel good. And then I was in, you know, in Australia they let you stay for a few days. Um, so I was in hospital and then um, was in the snack room and then this woman sat down next to me and then um, she said, oh, how's your baby? It was, she said, oh, it was so great being part of your birth. And I looked up and I was like, oh, she was one of the midwives that was actually there. And she said, oh, you just did great. 
I was like, oh, no, no, I didn't. I was terrible. <laughs> and she's like, no, you actually were great. And she said it to me with such conviction. I was like, maybe my perspective wasn't right on that situation, you know. And sometimes I feel like that's with us in a lot of different scenarios. We're convinced of a situation, but we don't really have the right perspective. And sometimes God sends people into our lives to give us his perspective, which is why it's good to be in church every Sunday because you get the God perspective on things. I feel like life kind of, I don't know, like just has this way of, yeah, pushing down, kind of you get under it a little and then you come into a place that's filled with hope and God's presence and I'm just standing there and I'm like, oh my gosh, like God is good, you know, like stuff happens during the week but this is the truth. There's the facts and then there's the reality that God is for us and he is with us and he is with your family and he is with your children and he has a plan for your life. Um, so um, I just wanted to end with a thought about, um, you can actually look this up online on YouTube, it's a little kind of a, po a poem or a little phrase called Welcome to Holland which is quite well known within the special needs community. And basically a, a mother describes her experience of raising a child with a disability has anybody heard of this before? <laughs> okay. Um, so it's called Welcome to Holland. So basically, I'll just to paraphrase it quickly. She says, you know, um, you find out you're going to have a baby and it's like you're, you're going to Italy. And you make all these plans and you're excited to see the Colosseum and uh, the Michelangelo and the gondolas and you're going to go to Venice and you learn Italian. It's all very exciting. And then the day finally arrives when you get on that plane to go to Italy and then the stewardess says, well, actually, welcome to Holland. And then you say, what do you mean, Holland? I thought I was going to Italy. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this all my life. I've dreamt of going to Italy. Why am I in Holland? So basically, you know, it's a change in the flight plan, which is a little bit like the experience of having a special needs child you're in a different place. And it's not a horrible place, it's just a different place. So you have to go and buy the new guidebooks and learn a new language and meet new people and then you get to appreciate different things that you didn't know that you might have before. Like Holland has windmills and Holland has tulips and Holland has Rembrandts. And you can see that everybody else is coming and going from Italy, but you're in Holland and it's a loss, but there's special things that you get to experience in Holland that other people in Italy wouldn't have had that experience. So rather than spending the rest of your life mourning that you didn't get to go there, you're free to enjoy the very, very special and lovely things about Holland. So that kind of sums up for me a little bit like having a special needs child and a little bit about the God perspective. So I actually... Uh, view my experience, um, even though it was really difficult in the beginning, as part of it is getting God's perspective on my situation and my family. And I actually, to me, just treasure it so much. And <laughs> the other day I was with my son, who's 13, and he was sitting in the car next to me. And a dear friend from our church community rang. His name is Jimmy, and he's been in the hospital. So he rang and I, I put him on speaker and I said, Boaz, you hold the phone and you talk to him because I'm driving. 
So he just shared, you know, I'm getting better, I'm recovering, he's sharing. Um, he's in his, I, I guess, in his 70s. Um, and then he says to Boaz, please tell the church they need to keep praying for me. The prayers are working. God's healing me. And then Boaz just like launches into this prayer for him. <laughs> like He doesn't uh, wait. Boaz is like, dear God, I pray for Jimmy right now. Lord, I bring him before you, God. And Lord, even though he might not have many years left, I pray they would be good ones. And I just was like, oh my gosh, Boaz, that's just freaking hilarious. You know, I just love, and Boaz is like, what? It's true. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I just love you, son. That was fantastic. And I just got this moment of like, you know, this is the precious moments that we get to have with our families. So if you just want to close your eyes and I'll just pray real quick. Lord, I thank you for every family in this church. I thank you, Lord, for your plans and purposes for every individual family, for their extended families and for this church community, Lord, as a family in and of itself. Lord, I pray happy days ahead for all uh, the families in this church and for the future of this church. Lord, I thank you that you make a way. I thank you that you're opening doors. Lord, I thank you that your plans and purposes are yes and amen. Lord, I just feel excited about all the people that I can just see and feel in my spirit that you have ordained to be part of this church community. I thank you for the ones that are here right now. We thank you for your presence and your beautiful anointing. Lord, bless you, mighty God. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.